Would you pray with me, please? Father God, we give ourselves to you. We give ourselves to your word. And I pray that you would breathe your breath of life into us. That you would open areas of our lives that need to be open. That you would come and occupy in our hearts the throne that only belongs to you. Lord Jesus Christ, you are Lord and you are Savior and you are King. And to you we bow down. Let your Holy Spirit have control of our hearts and lives at this moment to teach us, equip us, and encourage us. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Long gospel today. But strong gospel. Strong gospel. And so I would invite you, please, to open your Bibles to the 11th chapter of John. Gospel of John, 11th chapter. We have been in the Gospel of John for at least um, four or five weeks now. And uh, one of the things that we have been doing in the gospel is we have, um, we have been looking at a number of encounters that Jesus have had with different people. And one of the things to notice in all these encounters is that these people come from different backgrounds. They are some men, one woman. In fact, several women with today, some Jewish, some Samaritan, some very religious, others with very poor, perhaps, religion. Certainly the Samaritan woman had areas of confusion as to the Messiah and where to worship and that type of thing. And yet Jesus had room in, in his life for all these people that came from all over the place in their lives and all over the place in their nationality and from all over the place in their religion. And Jesus had room for all of them. And I, I think in all these encounters that we have had, it is important that we learn about our own encounters with people. Because I, I have to tell you, you're going to be encountering people starting today. Because we do that every day. We encounter people that come from all over the place. Different religions, different genders, different nationalities. We're going to encounter them in the supermarket. We're going to encounter them in our neighborhood. We're going to encounter them all over the place. And I think we ought to ask ourselves, Lord, may I learn from you how to handle my own encounters with people. Because I don't believe that any encounter 
that God is not in it. I, I believe that God is in many of the encounters in our lives. And I think sometimes they are God-oriented. Uh, and I believe that they're God-appointed so many times. And I think we need to be prepared uh, whenever we encounter different people in our walk. Because we are God's representative at that moment to that person. We are God's sent messenger, sent evangelist, sent love, and sent service to that person at that very moment. And we need to be open, and we ought to know how Jesus handled it, so that we learn ourselves to handle it. I have to tell you something. Our religion is not a private religion. Uh, I know that I, I know that there is that tendency as good Americans to not talk about religion or politics with people because it leads to arguments, but it could also lead to salvation. And I, I don't think our faith was ever intended to be private, but rather to be a very public faith that we share with others. Amen? Amen. I hope so, because we tend to keep our, our faith very private, and that is not scriptural, and it is not obedient to the Lord that sent us to make disciples. So let us, let us lay that aside. Or, or, or set it down clearly in our minds. I'd rather be rejected for speaking about Jesus than be loved for not speaking about Jesus. And I certainly don't want to deny Jesus and His Lordship over me just to make friends. I don't want to deny Jesus in any form or in any way. I've taught you uh, several things about evangelism in the previous sermons. And if you want to know more about it or, or hear more about it, I say go back to our website and take a look at my sermon on the Samaritan woman. But I'll just mention three things very quickly. One is ministry for Jesus was the person right in front of him. I've said that to you. I think in every sermon for the last three or four. Ministry for Jesus was not something he planned or he set up. It was the person right in front of him that crossed his path. He saw them as a person who needed the touch of God. So ministry for Jesus is the person in front of him, and that should be the same for you. Number two, if you want to share the gospel with anyone, please always begin where the person's needs are. Before you start quoting scripture at people, before you start using your knowledge or your capacity to preach Jesus or whatever, begin by looking at what the need of the person is. Get to know the person, love the person, see what the whole is that is in their heart and in their lives. Because that hole is also your opening. And that hole is also the opening that God wants to fill in people's lives.
when I preached to you about Nicodemus, or when Jesus met Nicodemus, Nicodemus was concerned about the life to come, he was concerned about heaven and things of heaven, and Jesus said, why don't you worry first about things on earth? You have to be born again. Born all over again. And I, and I preach a sermon on that. Then he met the Samaritan woman who was coming for water, and Jesus offered her living water. Because the need that she had was more than natural water. It was spiritual water. The cleanses. And last week I didn't preach to you on the passage, but it was read to you. It was Jesus encountering a blind man. And what that man needed more than anything was sight. And Jesus gave him sight, not that he could see the trees and the moon and the stars, but that he could see him. And by seeing him, believe. So Jesus always began with the need of the person. And so should you. And then number three is whatever you do to meet somebody's need or to love someone, always introduce Jesus to it. He is the ultimate reason. And the ultimate one that can bring about a change in a person's life, not you. When you finish your encounter, I don't want them to say how a great lady that was. What a wonderful man that was. I want them to say how great Jesus is. I don't want them to say, oh, I need to come to that church. It's not about the church. There's too much competition between churches. And everyone is claiming to be the better one. If you don't give them Jesus, they don't have anything. So the end of whatever you're doing, whatever, however God is using you, you have to bring Jesus into the conversation, into the hall, into the need, into that ministry. Amen? So those are three things I want you to learn about these encounters. Today we're going to witness an encounter of Jesus with a whole family. It's a whole family that is hurting. They're hurting because of illness. And they're hurting because of the subsequent death of their brother. That's their whole. That's their moment of need. And let me tell you, I know a number of people suffering right now with illness, with cancer, and with other types of diseases. And I know that some of them will subsequently end in death. Because that's unfortunately how it is. So whatever Jesus does for this family, we ought to learn how to deal with it with our own families. That we will encounter with this particular issue of illness, grave illness, and ultimately the issue of death. This particular family is composed of two sisters and a brother. Martha and Mary and uh, a brother named Lazarus. Now, this family are friends of Jesus. They're dear friends of Jesus. 
In fact, you can't read this chapter, in 11th chapter of John, without seeing how many times it is said there that Jesus loved Martha and his, her sister and Lazarus. Look how he wept, how he loved Lazarus. You cannot read this chapter with at least encountering a number of places where it is so clear that Jesus loves this family and this family loves Jesus. I noticed one thing I probably had not noticed before. Mary is always on her knees before Jesus. There's at least three encounters of this family with Jesus. And Mary is always at the feet of Jesus. Martha is always busy. And she's always wanting to be in charge. But Mary is always at the feet of Jesus. When Jesus comes to the house and Martha is busy preparing the meal and complaining that Mary is not helping... Well, where's Mary? She's at the feet of Jesus. When in this particular chapter, when Martha goes and tells Mary, the Lord wants to see you, she comes and throws herself at the feet of Jesus. And when Jesus comes to the house, and she comes behind him, and anoints him with oil, and wipes his feet with her hair... She is on her knees at the feet of Jesus. Mary is always found at the feet of Jesus. And Martha is always busy. I'm not complaining about Martha. We love Martha's. But Martha is the doer. She is the, the one that is always uh, looking how to serve and, and how to do it right and, and how to run the home. And, and she's the first one to run to Jesus to, to tell him about Lazarus. And Lazarus, of course, is the brother. He probably gets pampered by Martha and Mary quite a bit. And he's smart enough to take it. <laughs> Martha, uh, by the way, it is always kind of funny, not funny, but it's always beautiful to me uh, to see that, that Jesus hears the news about, uh, about Lazarus and he delays. You know, you would expect, I would expect that at the moment I say Jesus, that he's going to be there. Okay, um, he, he delays. He doesn't run to go heal Lazarus. And, and we find that a little bit difficult at times. Why would Jesus delay and not go and rush over there to his friend and heal him right away? It, it tells us in verse 4 that Jesus said, This sickness is not unto death. He knew he was going to raise him up. But it's more than that. He says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. You see, he could have rushed and healed him, and that would have been great. But a resurrection 
would have, will be in glory to God like the healing would have not brought glory to God. He's done plenty of those in his ministry. But he's going to do a resurrection. And that's going to bring a greater glory to God and a greater glory to the Son of God. It says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. What Jesus is doing is a greater thing than rushing. So he waits. And he waits because his disciples need to have more faith. In fact, he says, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. The whole thing that he's doing is to produce a level of faith that a healing would not have produced. He's going to produce faith in the disciples. He's going to produce a faith in that family beyond a healing. And he's going to produce a faith in that group of people that have come to mourn. He's going to produce faith in a lot of people in a resurrection that he couldn't do or would not do in a healing. So when he actually feels in his spirit that Lazarus is dead, he then comes near Bethany, which is about two miles away from Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to die at Jerusalem. And when Martha hears that he's coming close, Martha rushes to, to Jesus and, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. See, some people can read these words and think that she's kind of complaining. I don't think she's complaining. I don't read it as complaining. One of the things I want you to do in this passage is I want you to look at the faith of Mary, of Martha. I want you to look at her faith and I want you to say to yourself... Is my faith like her faith? How, how is it like and how is it not like, like her faith? She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She has faith that he has the power to heal him. He says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask the Father, the Father will give to you. She has faith. There's no lack of faith in this woman. And then Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And she responds, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. See, that's the faith. That's the Jewish faith. In fact, that's our faith, isn't it? That's where many of us are. Yes, I know there's life after death, but it will be at the end when he will raise everybody from the dead. And then judge the living and the dead. That's our faith. That's her faith. That's the Jewish faith. At least as a Pharisee or, or the common people faith. Yes, I know he will rise again at the last day. And then she says, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. What a statement of faith, right? That's a creedal statement. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. But, but, that's my but. 
Later on, she says, when he says, remove the stone, he says, but by this time, she says to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. So you can kind of see her faith. She believes in the resurrection at the, at the end, but not right now. But not right now. And one of the things I want you to see, and I, I really want us to see in, in this issue of Martha's faith, I want to say to you that Martha has more faith than many people today. There are a lot of people, and I don't know if there's some of you here, that believe that after death, everything is over. I don't know if there's some of you so, so fear death, because you're so afraid that everything is over, you are done, and, and everything, as, as somebody has said, everything goes back in the box, and whatever you didn't accomplish in this life, it's done. You are done. You are gone. You disappear. You go into some other dimension of some sort, and you are no more, and that's it. It's over. Nothing else. I don't know how many of you here have that kind of belief in you. But the, the faith of Martha is greater than the faith of some. Perhaps not even here, but outside. Those encounters you're going to have, you're going to meet a lot of people that have no idea about life after death. Or fear death because they think everything ends at the grave. Martha's faith is more than that. But Martha's faith, I would say, is very similar to the faith of some today who believe that you die, you go to the grave, and then you kind of go to sleep someplace, or you go someplace, but you have to wait until the end to have eternal life. You, you have to wait for eternal life until Jesus comes back in the clouds. And then He will rise the living and the dead. He will raise the living and the dead. Perhaps some of you believe in, in that kind of resurrection. At the end... In the meantime, people are asleep in the ground, or they're somewhere in Hades, or someplace like that. I don't know what your faith is. But Martha's faith is that. That's her faith. Yes, Lord, I know He will rise again, but over there. That's where eternal life is. I think the... I think the faith that Jesus wants us to have, I think she shows short, falls short of it. And so do we. Because the realities that Jesus says to Martha, Martha, he will rise again. Oh yes, Lord, I know, I know. I know the faith. I have heard the words. I've been to plenty of funerals. I've talked to the rabbis. I know he will rise over there. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection is not over there. Resurrection is right here and now in front of you. Resurrection and the life of eternal, the eternal life that I have come to bring into the world is not at the end. It is right 
here in front of you. Eternity begins now. Eternity begins now. I who speak to you, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. It begins the moment of faith. It begins the moment that Jesus becomes Lord and Savior of our life. Eternal life becomes available at that very moment, not at the end of time. We already live in eternal life from the moment we come to Jesus Christ. And this is, these are the amazing words of Jesus. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. He who believes in me, though she die, he dies, he will live. See, that's, Martha would not have had a problem with that statement. Yes, Lord, whoever believes in you, though he die, he will live. But the next statement of Jesus is amazing. He says, and he who lives and believes in me will never die. Will never die. He who lives and in life believes in me from that moment of faith will never ever die. The body will still go to the grave because, friends, everything that lives will die. Everything that lives. But Jesus is saying that he who places his or her faith in him will never die. That soul, that spirit, that person, from that moment on, already starts living in eternal life. He already starts living a life that he can only get through Jesus Christ. He who dies and believes in me will never die, will, will rise again. But he who lives and believes in me will never, ever die. The life that Jesus is offering is a life that is wrapped up in who he is. From the moment of faith, you already are beginning to live the, 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 the life of eternity. The life of eternity starts at that moment. That's what Jesus is offering Martha. He who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he says, Martha, just in case you don't quite get it, let me show you. Let me show you that I have the power. I have the power to give life. Remove the stone. Oh, but Lord, it's been four days. He says, remove the stone. He weeps. He prays. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus spends not one more second in death, not one more minute, not one more moment. 
Lazarus immediately at the word of Jesus rises from the dead, comes out still wrapped up in the markings of death, but life eternal had come into him, and he rose up from the dead. And he says to Martha in my, my words, Martha, if I can do this, you can believe that. Do you believe that whosoever believes in me will have eternal life? See, Jesus is showing that he has the power over life and death. He has the power to promise life to the dead and to promise life to the giving, to the living. He has the power to destroy death and eventually destroys death. And Jesus is showing in Lazarus the power of his own resurrection by which all of us will be risen. See, the difference here is this. Lazarus is resurrected to die again. Jesus will be resurrected to give life eternal to all. To never, ever die again. And he says to Martha, Martha, do you believe this? Martha, do you believe this? And I think, I think he says to us today, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the answer to the, to the ills and the hurts and the brokenness that comes into life because of grave illnesses and sometimes ultimate death? Do you believe that Jesus is the one that can make the dead live and can give eternal life to all who come to him? Because that is the question, friends. You and I are going to face death. And it's going to tear us apart. And it's going to hurt us. Doesn't matter how great a Christian we are. The death of our parents is going to hurt tremendously. The death of our sister or our brother is going to hurt tremendously. The death of, of a brother or sister in the faith is going to hurt tremendously. But we know that whosoever believes in Jesus Christ will have the guarantee of eternal life because Jesus is the I Am. The Lord of heaven and earth. And that is what he's offering Martha. And that's what he's offering us today. I want to do something today that I seldom do, but I have done it in the past. I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes, to just lower your heads and close your eyes. Because I don't want anybody to be embarrassed at all. But if there's someone here today that would like to receive prayer to be guaranteed life eternal or prayer for someone who needs prayer today, I have asked Deacon Diane and Primi and Tom and Lori to meet with you in the room that is in the back of the church and I don't want anyone to open their eyes. I don't want anyone embarrass us to getting up. But if you need prayer right now.
to be assured that life eternal is yours. If you haven't been assured, but you need to be, I'd like to ask you to get up right now and go to the back to receive prayer. Please do that. They're in the back waiting for you. If you're not completely sure that Jesus is Lord of your life, and that through Him you have eternal life, right here, right now, beginning today, please go in the back and have prayer. And if there's someone you need to pray for, just go in the back and be ministered to right now.